Welcome to My Life, Tanya Applied with Rabbi Simon Jacobson, a journey into the deepest teachings of Torah and their application to our personal, emotional, and psychological lives. A good tevach, a good week. We continue our journey in the life-changing Sefer Tanya. This program is made possible by Rena Lights, LLC, and it is an honor and memory of Rab Yesuf Halevi Weinberg Olav Shalom, Rab Moshe Pinchas HaKoyen Katz Olav Shalom, and Rab Yael HaKoyen Khan Olav Shalom. It is also in schus and merit of Rab Zev Yecheskel HaKoyen and Risha Katz, Le'edich Yomim V'Shonim Tevis for many long, healthy years. We're coming to the last sections of uh, chapter 9, Pedic Tess and Tanya, discussing how the divine soul, as it comes alive in the person's consciousness, doesn't just bring a godly sense of purpose to life and transcendence, but also impacts the animal soul, meaning the selfish desires of the other side, the other voice within us. Remember, these are two forces, two kings at battle. One resides in the mind and on the right side of the heart, that's the divine soul. The animal soul resides in the left side of the heart, the fiery passions of self-preservation, of self-interest, of the egocentric consciousness of a person, which battles the divine-centric consciousness of the person. So the divine soul in using the example of the battle, is impacting and not just conquering the small city, which is the human being and, and its faculties, but also spills over, as we learned, and affects the, the animal soul as well. And this too is in stages. So going back to the example, when a king conquers a city, so you can't expect that all the components, all the citizens, all the aspects of that city are just complete allies to the king. Some are, some become, and some slowly acclimate themselves as they recognize the value of aligning themselves with a new king in their, in, in their city, in their lives. So the same thing is here, that the animal soul still remains a resisting force, but in the slow process, of like of an education, of training, of conditioning, the animal soul too begins to appreciate what the divine soul has to offer. And as we learned this last week, the spilling over of the love of the divine impacts to the point, just like from the right side of the heart, the blood with the oxygen spills over into the left side of the heart. Same thing conceptually. The divine love spills over into the, into the self-love of the left side of the heart of the animal soul. So it first begins by subduing and subduing the sitra the other side. It's called iskafia. And what is that as we learned? The kafia sitra You said hamayim haroyim shabah. The element of water as we learned at the end of chapter one. The water, the negative elements of the desires and the pleasures of this world that the water of the, of the animal soul represents, that's the taiva, the desires and the lusts 
and the cravings that come from Klippus Nega, the cravings toward this material world. And we all know what that means. And every time you have a longing where you desire something and something seduces you, that's what this Mayim is. But here the divine soul's love has spilled over and subdued it. And furthermore, Lishanesa is changing it. Ulahavcha. And transform, transforming it. So you have your iskafia, subduing, changing, and transforming. So initially, it's driven naturally to the pleasures of this world. But now, it's being redirected. First subdued, then changed, and then transformed. And the transformation itself is stages. Let's go back to the city. The citizens in that city who oppose the king, the new king, meaning here the divine soul, it takes time and it takes work to have them also align themselves. So subduing is one part, first stage, changing and then transforming. And the transforming also can take stages as we'll learn shortly. And he brings a raya to this open posuk. And we say it every day in Shema. So that's the love of God. What's Bechol Avavcha, says the Gemara in Brachas? With both inclinations, with both voices, not just the Yetzotev, not just the good inclination, but with both parts of the person are now being affected. Also the Yetzirah, both impulses. And it's clearly, So that clearly tells you that it's not just been subdued and even changed, but it's loving God because the animal soul can be taught to see that godliness is superior to materialism. As we discussed at length. So I'm still reviewing what we learned so far. Now... Al-Tarebbe introduces a new level of Ava. And you could say, one second, didn't we have here the love of God has become so intense and powerful that it's affecting also the animal soul. But we're looking here for total transformation. And for total transformation, let's go back to the example. Those that still resist the new king, in this case, the divine soul, it could be emotional, it could be intellectual, it could be habit. It's like they were used to the previous king. The animal soul, when it was dominating, that became their habit. We're creatures of habit. So to change them requires not just a temporary change. You want to really transform them in a complete way. So the question is, what's lacking with the love that we described? So the Alter Rebbe is now going to introduce a deeper type of love. And that deeper type of love offers the capacity to have a sustainable transformation, not just a temporary one. So before we read inside, let's talk about these two types of love. So Chassidus brings, in Alter Rebbe, this is one of the first places you'll find in Chassidus Chabad, in Tanya, that this Ave Kerish Esh, an Ave that's a fiery, passionate love. Anytime you feel that passion in love, and we're talking here in Gdusha, in Holiness, but you could also use an example in uh, not, not holy things. That's Ava Kadish Then there's a concept of Ava Kamayim. Mayim 
is the antithesis to fire. If fire is passion, mayim is cool and collected. Mayim is calm and has a very different effect on a person. But that's also love. You can have a love, a serene love, a relaxing love, a love of contentment, a pleasurable love, as we shall learn. So how do we distinguish between the two? So let's use an example, the same example where you can have both elements of this love. A parent loves their child deeply. Of course, we're talking a healthy situation. So a parent naturally will love a child. That love, you don't always see it prominent, but it's always there. So here's the situation. Your child has traveled to another country. They went to school, to summer camp, or whatever reason. And you miss them terribly. You miss your child in a very deep way. That creates a fiery passion. I cannot wait. I'm missing my child. It's a longing. And that's compared to fire. So their distance actually creates the passion, the fire that's burning inside you. And you see it. You feel that, you feel, I want that child near me and I miss you dearly. Then there's another type of love. The child comes home and you hug and you kiss and you embrace, reunite, celebrate. So the first thing is the fire, that fire of longing has been quenched. But now comes another type of love, the love of contentment. I'm with my child now. And we're doing things together. We're having a conversation. We're learning together. We're enjoying each other's company. So the fiery passion of distance is no longer there in that fashion. Now it's much more of a love of contentment. But it's also a deep love. It just may not be as loud. Like when you miss someone, you feel it. Once you see them, not that you take it for granted, but now the love is far more one of calm. So in loving God, we also find these two elements. One is recognizing I'm living in a material world and I'm looking for God and it's so distant. God is difficult for me to access, but I want a connection with Him. I want a relationship. So there's a longing. There's a yearning. A fire is burning. And then there's where you feel I have a relationship with God. However that comes to be, is it during Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? Is it other times in the day or in the year where you feel a closeness, an intimacy, and you appreciate God has blessed you with a child, has blessed you in other ways, and you say, oh, I really appreciate it. I feel God in my life. So the love is not weaker, it's just a different type of love. It's a love of contentment, as we're going to learn, it's a love of deep, serene calmness, like a peace at the center. So it's not as perhaps as fiery and as loud, but it's in many ways deeper because it's coming in this in a watery fashion. And what we're going to learn is that the first level of love definitely affects the animal soul too because it sees and recognizes this love, this, this longing. But if you really want to transform the pleasures of the animal soul, you need a pleasurable love in the divine soul, not just one of fire, seeking, longing, something that from a distance, but one where you feel filled with it and content. And that pleasure 
is equivalent, if not stronger, than the pleasures that we have in this material world. So you can say in the animal soul, you also have two elements. You have a love where you long for something. People desire something. And the desire can consume you. Sometimes the expression is, you'll find it's always more pleasurable in a way to want than to have. There's like that need to conquer. And the more you don't have it, the more it's lacking, the more the fire burns inside you. Then there's the second half, when the pleasure has been fulfilled. So there you're not going to have quite that longing, but here it's more of one contentment. Okay, I've been satisfied. But, as, but one key difference. In the animal soul, the satisfaction, being that it's coming for selfish pleasures and material pleasures, is not a true inner satisfaction. Because then immediately you want another dose. And you start longing again. In the divine, there's also those two elements. There's the longing, but then there's the fulfillment. And though the fulfillment can lead to a deeper level of longing as well, but the fulfillment is far more sustainable. Because what's happened is you found, you've come home. Your child has come home. You have come home. You've come home back to your father in heaven. Your father's come back home to you. But these two types of love counter each other. So the fiery love of the divine soul can somewhat quench the thirst. I should say, can, can somewhat counter the fiery love of the animal soul. But if you really want transformation, you need to quench the fire with a calm, waterly love of pleasure. And pleasure is deeper than just love. Pleasure is that sense, I'm filled, I'm sated, I feel content, I feel complete, I feel like I belong. It's not coming from that deep longing, it's coming from a calmness. That's why Shabbos, for example, more focus on Tainug, Oynik Shabbos. Yom Tov is more moedim Simcha. Simcha is more fiery. Joy, celebration. Tainug is a very internal, serene experience. So of course there's overlap. Yom Tov has Tainug in it, and Shabbos has Simcha, but you could make that distinction, and these are two different ways of experiencing something. Sometimes in Chassidus it talks about the fiery is more like Rotzen, Rotzen is merutza, you're searching for something, you're desiring, you're longing. And tainug is not that you're being drawn to it, tainug is the receiving it and um, relishing and reveling in the pleasure, in the love that you have. So now let's learn it inside and see how it affects our animal soul in the transformation process. So here's what he says. After saying, continues the Alter Rebbe, says, which came after the stages of, effect, of subduing, impacting, or changing, and transforming, but then comes further. So the Alter Rebbe says, once you're coming to this point where their love has spilled over, you're coming now, you're achieving a higher level of love. Yeah, the words When the person elevates himself, yala, and arrives, 
v'yagia and 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 reaches lemadregas avarabo v'chibi yaseda to a deeper, to a greater love, to a great love avarabo, a great love v'chibi yaseda and a deeper form of endearment. which is more powerful than the level of the strong love like flaming fire. So we have Ava Azba, Ava a strong love like a flaming fire. But more powerful than that, we've now introduced a new level of love that is reached. And here too you see the levels. Yala, Viyovai, Viyagia. Yala means you're not there yet, and you're climbing. Yove means you've arrived. Yove means you've the initial arrival. Viagia means you're fully settled in this new state. And what is this called? He's going to give us the name in a moment. But you see now another level of love. That's a deeper love. So the flaming fire love represents a yearning and a languishing of the soul a desire to come close to something that was distant. Great love, on the other hand, Avarabo, the Chibiyaseda, is an experience of closeness where you actually feel and enjoy God's presence as something within, as something close, as something part of you. And what is this higher level of love called? This Avarabo. He, vihi, hanikras bakosuf. That's what it's called in the verse. In Shirashirim, Zion, Zion. In the verse, Song of Songs, 7-7. Ave betanugim. You may have learned about it in other places. So this, Ave betanugim. Which literally translates pleasurable love. Or a love of pleasures. So you could have a love that's not betainugim. You could have a love of tainugim. What's tainug? You could say every love is pleasurable. Even the fiery love from a distance is also pleasurable. No, but it's not the experience of pleasure. It's the experience of longing. When you gain it and you succeed and, you, and that, pleasure, and that uh, longing is fulfilled, then it turns into a pleasurable love. And what does that mean? Says the Alter Rebbe. Lisaineg lisaneg al Hashem. To take pleasure in godliness or in God. A foretaste of the world to come. We'll talk about that in a moment. But this is now the definition that you're taking pleasure in God. Now why is he add me'in elam haba? Because in elam hazeh the primary thing you'd say is we don't feel godliness. But when we contemplate on God and the importance of God and the superiority of God's majesty so creates a deep longing. But like we said before, but it's a longing from a distance. So you have that fiery passion. I want to be close. I want to connect with God. But here we're talking about Tainugim where you're already connecting. Where is that prominent? In Elam Because Elam Abba does not have that distance. In Elam Haba, literally, is the place where neshamas 
They're taking benefit and they're enjoying from the delights of godliness. However, the Alter Rebbe is saying, we can have a taste of that, me'ein. A me'ein of that elam haba, a foretaste, even in this world. We're going to learn about this later more, about Sadikim and how one reaches that level. But what he's introducing here, is that you could have a foretaste of that. And that's what's called Ava B'Tainugim. Now, of course, that means that even in this world, you're experiencing closeness. Not just the distance. You could say, Elam Haza, we know God is concealed. We learned earlier in chapter 6, and especially in chapter 6, it's a world, it's a world that's filled with the negative, with concealment, the klippus, neiga, that the divine sparks, the divine divinity, the godliness is concealed within the husk. But with a proper work, we can climb from longing that godliness that so-called defies us or is beyond us to actually experiencing. Experiencing. In the future, of course, when Mashiach comes, it won't be me'ain. That will be the full experience. So now we've reached a higher level of love. Another way of explaining the two levels is when you love another person, it often associates with fiery passion. But what about, let's say, self-love? When a person loves themselves, and I'm not talking about avasatsme that conceals and distorts and creates bias and prejudices your own self-interest. But just the fact that you love yourself, self-respect, that is not fiery passion because it's not distant from you. It's within you. So that is also an experience of an intimate love as opposed to a love that I'm longing for that intimacy. Okay. And that is the pleasurable love. to the point that that becomes part of who we are. Now, the Altareb is going to add a few more words to explain this more, to explain this further, and then go back and say, and it's this love that ultimately has the power to transform on a far deeper level even those opponents, even the animal soul. So the fiery love that spills over has impact and creates change, and even transforms to some extent. But ultimately, it's the pleasurable love, where a person feels, I'm at home, like a fish in water. That is ultimately the ultimate force, because that is in a sustainable way. The fiery love, in a way you could argue, okay, is there, but maybe that fire will uh, subside at some point. may not be always as passionate. So the, the animal soul's passion can still counter it, even though right now it's being affected. But once you've come to that inner serenity and contentment, so the person has become transformed, so the divine soul then has much more impact in transforming the animal soul. But to understand that, Al-Tareb is going to go back 
to the, the concept of water, Yisayid Hamayim. Remember, just a few lines earlier, we learned that the divine, that the divine soul and its love, it has the power to likafi l'sitra achra, Yisayid Hamayim Aroim Sheba, to subdue the other side of the animal soul, the Yisayid Hamayim, the element of water, which gives birth and is the source of all pleasures, the taiva shabaklipas nega the shanese lahavcha mitaynugel mazelavas Hashem. So he's going to go back now to that water. What ultimately transforms water most? So fire, uh, the fiery passion of for the divine avakadish beish. If it's strong enough, it can evaporate water. So in some ways, it subdues, evaporates, but it doesn't fully transform. However, the love that's coming from a watery place, a calm, watery inner intimacy, that can actually transform in the fullest sense of the word. It doesn't just evaporate the fiery passion, it transforms. Water transforms water. So think of it this way, when you have water, and that water is now driven very much by lust. We're talking about the animal soul's water. Okay, to the point even of a calm lust, where people have their pleasure, they have their pleasure in material matters. So the fire of the divine soul can in some way subdue that and even impact and even change it to some extent. But if you want total transformation, you need something that counters that serene pleasure of material things. And that's the serene pleasure of of the divine soul. So Al-Tarebbe now goes into the world of Mayim again. And what does he say? He says like this. After saying it's he says, this delight, we're talking about the divine delight, the love of Tainugim, of delight. This is experienced in the mental faculties of, of inquiry and intelligence by the sheer pleasure of understanding God and knowing Him. Now you'll say, one second, where, what's going on here? Till now we've been speaking about the two chambers of the heart, the right side of the heart, the divine soul, and its passions of the heart, passion for God, and the left side of the heart, the passions of the animal soul for its own needs, its own, its own interests. Yes, indeed, in the beginning of the chapter, we said that the divine soul resides in the mind. And from there, it travels to the right side of the heart. Now, Altareb is taking us back there. Basically going to say the following. The heart is the place of passion. That's why it's emotions. Emotions are alive and like a fire. They burn. The question is, is it a fire of Gdusha, the right side of the heart of the divine soul, or is it a fire of Klippa? The passions toward the animal, to, to, to the animal's interests and its material needs. But the real power of Mayim is rooted in Chochmah, the Seichel. So, in addition to what the emotions, the divine emotions, we're now bringing back the mind into the picture. Not to remove it from emotions, but to show us that when you're being, talking about the connection that we bond with our minds with God, like we learned earlier. We learned earlier in the beginning of chapter 3. And also here in this chapter. 
Where do the emotions, where are they born? They're not just born from instincts. If you're talking about impulses, so you could have divine impulses, you could have animal impulses. But we want much more than that. We want a deliberate effort that the emotions shouldn't just be impulsive. They're born out of a real contemplation. That's what gives them sustainability and also inner power. Yes, it needs to be an emotional level, but the mind has to be engaged. Why? Because in this world, let's be honest, this world, what captures our imaginations, usually material things. It's the mind that can help us get out of our subjective emotions of the animal soul and reconnect to the divine. And we'll elaborate on this in the next year, in the next class. So we'll stop here. There's much more to say. And everyone have a good tavach. TanyaApply.com where you can see this program and all previous ones as well as submit any questions. Be well and call to This has been My Life, Tanya Applied with Rabbi Simon Jacobson. Please join us again next week. Visit chasidasapplied.com for archived classes and more resources.